0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Snaggle Show. I'm of course your host, Christian, aka Snaggle J. It has been a hot minute, and I don't want to derail too far from where uh, where this podcast is going to go, covering the Mount Rushmore of SummerSlam matches. Um. But it's been it's been it's been a long summer. I hope uh, first and foremost that you guys are all doing well. Um, that you are safe, your family is safe, that you are um, taking the necessary precautions to keep them that way. Um, it's been a long <laughs> It's been a long summer, it's been a long twenty twenty. March seems like it was three and a half years ago. And uh, I know I, I recorded uh, an episode here uh, a few months ago. Uh, I think the last one I did was talking about my my Animal Crossing New Horizons thoughts. And I had said, you know, hey, I, I plan on doing this more often. And listen, you know what? Fucking life gets in the way. Um, it's been a long summer. I've had some personal challenges that I won't really go into. Um, but. We're here today, we're going to be talking about the Mount, my, my personal Mount Rushmore of SummerSlam matches. Um, I hope you guys are going to enjoy it. Um, we're going to take a look at my top four SummerSlam matches of all time. I feel like SummerSlam kind of gets the shaft in terms of pay-per-views. I mean, obviously, the Rumble has the Rumble, Um it doesn't get shafted as much as Survivor Series. I think Survivor Series has just become a joke now. I mean, it was pretty much a gimmick pay-per-view to begin with, with, with the teams and stuff. And, but I way much more enjoyed uh, Survivor Series back in the 90s when they just threw together ramshackle teams with funny names and... Uh, had 8 man tags uh elimination style. And obviously WrestleMania is WrestleMania, but SummerSlam you know kind of it kind of creeps up on you because WrestleMania happens and then you've got, you know, 4 months go by before SummerSlam happens and that, and that's and that's an eternity in professional wrestling. Uh and with the way things are going now, you know, in COVID times, it's a whole different scenario, but I always look forward to SummerSlam in August. Uh it ends up being uh, in some interesting places. Uh, it's been in Toronto quite a few times, I believe. I think it's been in Toronto four or five times now. I'm not going to fact check that, I'm sure. Somebody will hit me up um, on the Twitter machine at J and tell me. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a look at my top four uh, SummerSlam matches of all time. Again, I would love to hear your guys' list. You guys can reach out to me. Yeah. Um, at uh, twitter.com snagglej I love uh, when, when listeners and fans of the show reach out and, and tell me you know what they think Especially when we do these lists They can be extremely controversial um, And again, obviously this is just my list My Especially when it comes to wrestling and video games Everybody's got different tastes uh, You might absolutely hate all four matches I have on this list But that's why it's my show The Snaggle Show So we're going to jump into it Uh, This episode of The Snaggle Show is sponsored By nobody Uh, But I definitely suggest you play Out of the Park Baseball 21 Of which uh, I am an employee Um, Go check it out otpdevelopments.com Jump in Uh, It is the best baseball management game In the world Check it out otpdevelopments.com It's out of the park baseball And uh, you know They don't pay me to say it, but I'm always uh, down for tossing in a little plug to the old uh, video game. Uh, So let's start it off with my number one, and again, these are no particular order, uh, but my first match on the Mount Rushmore of uh, SummerSlam matches is Daniel Bryan versus John Cena from SummerSlam 2013. The reason why it's on the list is not necessarily the match itself. Obviously, it's John Cena. Um, you know, five moves of doom. Uh, by this point, John Cena, you know, the, the crowd had, had had started turning on him a little bit. Um, but this match is on the list for what it set in motion going forward. Uh, it was, it was a pretty good match. Again, it wasn't a terrible match, um, with the WWE championship on the line. Uh, I think first and foremost, the shocker of Daniel Bryan beating John Cena clean in the middle of the ring to become the WWE champion, the crowd absolutely lost their minds. Um, you know, again, it was it was the underdog story. It was the face of John Cena. It, it was that that ascension to, you know, to main event status. Everybody was like, there's no way he's going to win. Um, so that was kind of like, hey, everyone was like, oh my God, he beat him. Like, it's like an ushering in a new era. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Randy Orton comes out, pretends like he's going to cash in the money in the bank. Triple H, who was the special guest referee in the heavyweight championship match. Um, Pedigree's Daniel Bryan. Orton comes in. One, two, three. Triple H holds up Orton's hand. And Randy Orton leaves SummerSlam 2013 as the WWE champion. But again, this match is more, more important for what happened afterwards. Because the fans revolted so much against this decision to bury Daniel Bryan after he just beat the face of WWE clean in the middle of the ring the the, the reaction of the fans in the crowds and on social media was so huge it was absolutely massive it was it, it, it was it was like something and again I was going to say it's like something we've never seen before, but obviously by the time 2013 comes around, we're in an age where everything is different. Everybody has had access to, to Facebook and Twitter and whatever social medias were prominent at the time, pretty much Facebook and Twitter. Um, so the, the ability to voice your displeasure was extremely easy to do. And, you know, it, it was obvious what they were trying to do here. They were trying to play, you know, hey, let's bring, let let's give Daniel Bryan his quick little moment in the sun and shuffle him back to mid-card status. He had been coming off the the tag team uh, thing with Kane, Team Hell No. Um, you know, Orton's back in the title picture, and the fans just hated this. They wanted something different. They wanted Daniel Bryan to be the face of WWE, and m- much like. We saw in 2019 with Kofi Kingston. The fans got behind him. The fans created Kofi Mania. And whether you want to admit it or not, you, WWE had no plans to put the belt on Kofi Kingston. Just like they had no plans to put Daniel Bryan in the championship match at WrestleMania in New Orleans the next year. Or was it two years later? WrestleMania 30. But the reason why that happened is because this chain of events started at SummerSlam 2013. Where they, they gave Bryan the win. Then they buried him. Put Orton back as the face of the company. And the fans just completely revolted to what was happening. And that set in motion what happened leading up to WrestleMania 30 and Daniel Bryan winning the triple threat um you know it's again it's not the best match technically in SummerSlam history but I think for me as as someone who's been a wrestling fan for 30 plus years I would be remiss when I sit and think about SummerSlam if I wouldn't include the Daniel Bryan John Cena WWE Championship match from 2013 on my Mount Rushmore of SummerSlam matches. Next up, we have match number two. Shawn Michaels versus Triple H in an unsanctioned match at SummerSlam 2002. Listen, I was a 90s wrestling kid. I fucking hated Shawn Michaels. You know, the whole sexy boy gimmick, the whole run with Diesel, burying Brett. The DX stuff. Um, I was so happy when he went away. And then they brought him back because, again, he was a face and a name. They used him in the commissioner stuff. And then he went away. He didn't enjoy life. He he was hurt. He was mentally not well. Um, You know, so Michaels was an afterthought. And then, all of a sudden, Michaels comes back. The whole he gets hit by a car thing happens. He does the remote in where he has the footage and they clean it up. And they discover it was his quote-unquote best friend, Triple H. And that set this match at SummerSlam 2002, the unsanctioned match. Now, at this point... A lot of people had figured that Michaels was was a one-and-done. He was going to come back. um, You know, and and it was going to be this one match. Give it all you got. Settle the score. Get the hell out of here. Triple H had returned, if you guys remember, and I know a lot of you who were fans at the time will remember, in January of 2002, Triple H returned from the, the torn quad. In Madison Square Garden on Raw, to the an uh, absolutely insanely massive build and an insanely massive pop, um, and then it kind of fizzled out because by that point, the, there wasn't really anything going on. I mean, you know, Austin was kind of eh, and Rock was kind of eh, and Triple H they they brought him back to this to this large amount of fanfare. And try to sort of position him as like, hey, he's going to be the face of the company now, and it really didn't work out in 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 those first through those first few months. Just from the standpoint of, you know, when you come back at you know before WrestleMania, and then at that point. WrestleMania 18 w- was a huge event. And and at the time Now, the only thing I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, that's right. At the time, Triple H had come back in January, got into the feud with Jericho. Hey, he's going to wrestle him for the title at WrestleMania. Well, then Rock Hogan happened, and nobody remembers the Triple H-Jericho match. So that kind of made it rough. And then he kind of went through a a few little feuds through the summer. So they they bring this Triple H-Michaels thing to the forefront, which I thought was really cool. You could tell they, they both did an amazing job making it seem like it was personal. And then you get to the match itself. Where Michaels is out there like he's got nothing to lose. He's wrestling with reckless abandon. You know, he wrestled like a guy who was only going to be here for one match. That he was going to wrestle this one match. And then he was going to disappear. He wrestled that way. And I, and I say wrestle. Obviously, obviously, it was a fight. and it will this is one of those matches where when you look at what happened after this you know triple h again kind of he, he he held on for another year or so while before austin kind of finished up what he was doing and he had that last match with the rock and then the rock kind of went away and then goldberg and, and steiner and the and more of the wcw guys started coming in and they kind of went away and then the one constant through all that was triple h and and sean michaels who decided you know he he resumed you know wrestling later that year and he he did it at a very high level he had a great um second phase if you will of his career and this match was just such a such a textbook example of how good performers can get you invested in a match everybody wanted to see sean michaels beat the ever-loving shit out of triple h and everybody was worried after you know four years out of the ring, would Shawn Michaels be able to come back and beat the ever-loving shit out of Triple H. And then you had the match, which was an instant classic. It was amazing. And then the things that happened afterwards. So Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, unsanctioned match at SummerSlam 2002 on the list. Next up, we have maybe, maybe one of the most forgotten matches in WWE history. It happened at SummerSlam 2000, and it was the first tables, ladders, and chairs match between the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. When you look in the grand scheme of these three tag teams, everybody immediately points to the WrestleMania 17 TLC match that happened in 2001 as, like, the GOAT, the best TLC match that ever happened. And to be honest, it probably was. But when you look specifically at SummerSlam, and you look specifically at the history that these three tag teams have, And you look at the very first TLC match, which happened in 2000 at SummerSlam. Again, the same kind of theme that we have with the other two that I talked about previously, it's what it sets in motion. The, The concept of a TLC match, I mean, you knew, again, if you were invested in wrestling at this point, You knew that the Hardys and the Dudleys and Edge and Christian was combustible elements, right? The Hardys were were young high flyers that had no fear. Edge and Christian were the cocky, pompous, up-and-coming, thought they were God's gift to wrestling. And then you had the Dudleys who, you know, came from ECW. They were an extremely decorated tag team even way back at this point multiple championships across, multiple promotions, uh, you know, rough, you know, banger type guys. And then you threw the element of tables, ladders, and chairs into this, and you really had, I think, going into SummerSlam 2000, you really had no idea what to expect. And I think that's a different mentality than when you go into, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that the SummerSlam match was better than the WrestleMania 17 match, because frankly, it's not. But going into the WrestleMania 17 match, you you knew what you were going to get. Your mindset going into WrestleMania 17 was, my God, how do they make it better? And I hope nobody gets killed. Going into the SummerSlam match, you really didn't know What what was going to happen? You had six men, all of whom wanted to be tag team champions. You had tables and chairs and ladders. And you, you, you sat down knowing that, well, the only thing you knew for sure was that you were about to witness a car crash. And what resulted from it, what resulted from it was the innovative sort of concept that we ended up with. I don't think TLC matches were ever really done as good as when the Hardys, Dudleys, and Edge and Christian went toe-to-toe-toe. to You're talking three of the most legendary tag teams, especially of the era, but you know, three of the most iconic tag teams in WWE slash WWF history. They were all at the peak of of their game at the time, which I think made this more special, you know, they were all really, cause again, this is before, you know, the Hardys ended up splitting up a few years later, the Dudleys who, you know, compared to the other two, I believe if I'm not mistaken at this time, they were a little more seasoned. They had been around a little more. Again, they continued their run for another 15 years. You had edge and Christian, you know, prior to, you know, edge going off and doing his own solo sort of thing. Um, but in terms of tag team wrestling, they were completely and utterly at the top of their game and the TLC matches that followed, they kept perfecting that formula, but the original TLC match at 2000 was just one of those things where when it was over, you sat up in your chair and you were just like, wow, what the hell did I just watch? And can you please hook it to my veins? And I think the fact that they used it extremely, like, you know, we have a TLC pay-per-view now, which I hate. Um, I don't like gimmicky pay-per-views like that. I think matches of this variety are more useful when used in moderation, um, very sparingly, sort of like how Hell in the Cell is. Again, Hell in the Cell has its own pay-per-view as well. But, you know, it's not like TLC where they'll have a chairs match, and a tables match, and a ladder match, and a TLC match. So, tables, ladders, and chairs from SummerSlam 2000, the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian is my third entry on the Mount Rushmore of SummerSlam matches. And finally, the final entrant on my Mount Rushmore of WWE SummerSlam Matches is Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, the steel cage match from SummerSlam 1994. Now, before you get in the Twitter or the Discord, calling me a homer for putting the two Canadians on the list, if you haven't seen this match in a very long time, I suggest you go watch it. And what I suggest you do first is I suggest you go to WrestleMania 10. Watch the opening match between these two. Which I've said before is one of the best Wrestlemania matches of all time. Certainly the best opening match in Wrestlemania history. And then go to SummerSlam 1994, second to last match. And watch this match between Bret Hart and Owen Hart for the WWE Championship. Now, the stupid thing about this... Is that it didn't go on last. That absolutely atrocious. Undertaker versus Undertaker match. Was the main event. But in reality. On this eight match card. There was not a single match on there. Worth watching. That wasn't Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Their match at WrestleMania. Was amazing it set forth a lot of 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 fraction between brett and owen and then you had you know Davy boy and you had jim the anvil and you know the heart foundation kind of cracking a little bit but here you had a different scenario instead of going on first at wrestlemania you had a wwe championship match inside of a steel cage a cage that back in 1994, didn't make appearances all the damn time. The old, old blue cage. Made very sparing appearances. And what you saw for 32 minutes and 22 seconds was an absolute masterclass in technical wrestling. There are not many matches in the history of wrestling that are better technically than this one. And then you add the element of the cage in there, which which obviously, you know, played into the finish. You know, Brett gains advantage with the big DDT and, and then Owen uh you know kicks Brett in the head and tries to get out of the cage. They try they several times they do a cage spot to try to get out. Um and, and I, say, I say it was an amazing technical match, but it, there was a lot of brawling and stuff as well, which I think was a necessary storyline element to the feud between the two of them. The battle of the brothers and, and the prize being becoming WWF champion. And just trying to, you know, see what was going to happen was this going to be the end was was owen finally going to get over the stigma that he couldn't beat his brother owen tries to get out of the cage brett pulls him down by the hair owen hits a pile driver uh owen gets thrown into the cage owen tries to escape brett Hits him with the suplex back in the ring from the top of the cage, the big superplex. Um, They exchange sharpshooters. You know, again, it was this constant battle of one upsmanship and and back and forth and back and forth. And there were many times where you really thought, oh my God, Owen's finally going to do it. And then the match ends. Brett throws Owen into the cage. Owen's foot gets, or leg um, gets trapped up in the bars. Brett climbs over and drops out. Then afterwards, you kind of see the fracturing of the Hart Foundation. Neidhart attacks Davey Boy. Um, You know, Neidhart padlocks the cage. Um, And then, you know, Neidhart and Owen attack Brett. So, kind of drawing the line in the sand and saying, hey, I'm on Team Owen. And again, it was from start to finish, you know, almost 40 minutes. Of Of just A wonderful Performing And that kind of goes back to the whole Triple H Shawn Michaels thing Is you really were invested In who was going to win this match Was Owen Owen was doing everything He could To try to get over Brett And that was kind of the cool part right? He, he would do anything just to beat him. Just to beat him once. And, you know, Owen, you know, the, the whole, Brett out-wrestled him at WrestleMania 10. So, Owen was going to outfight fight him at SummerSlam. And, it was, it was, it was just, again, it was, it was story-wise, was just an absolutely amazing match. It was extremely well done. So there you have it, my Mount Rushmore of SummerSlam matches. Uh, We have Daniel Bryan versus John Cena from SummerSlam 2013. We have uh, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H in an unsanctioned match from SummerSlam 2002. Uh, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs 2000 between Edge and Christian, the Dudleys and the Hardys, and Bret versus Owen Hart in a steel cage match for the WWF Championship in SummerSlam. On SummerSlam of 1994 um, So that is going to do it For this episode Of the Snaggle Show Again I'm uh, I'm going to try to do this More frequently Folks um, I've got a couple episodes I'm working on at the same time uh, We're going to be doing uh, My Mount Rushmore Of non-platformer Mario games I'm going to try to come up with a better name for it than that. But the non-storyline, non-canon, non-platform Super Mario games. Uh, we're going to have uh, the Mount Rushmore of those coming up pretty soon. I talked about that on Twitter a few weeks ago. Uh, we're getting into August. We're in August. There's some great games coming out. um, For sure, uh, I'm ex- very excited to play PGA Tour 2K21 in a few weeks. Uh, I got to get into playing some paper Mario as well. Uh, the new one that just came out on the switch. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, and, uh, definitely, uh, definitely going to have to spend some more time with that, but I've been too busy. But anyways, uh, as always folks, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, whether you're listening right directly on anchor.fm slash the Snaggle show, or you're listening in your favorite podcast app of choice on Android or iOS, I do appreciate it. You know, I do Snaggle loves you. Uh, and until next time, peace.